<laughs> Sunny. All right, ready? You ready? Yeah. Kent State Massacre. Also known as May 4th Massacre. <laughs> I'm just going to ignore that happening. All right. All right, everyone. I'm Mike Bonomo. Welcome to another episode of Fight the Fate. Brian Davies. Yep. Sean Kleins. Yo. Kent State Massacre, also known as the May 4th Massacre. What? Like, I didn't even know about this until you guys told me to start looking into it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is insane. When I was doing research, I just Googled Kent State, just figuring, like, <laughs> this would show up. No, just fall enrollment. You need to watch more Vietnam movies. This is always, like, in there. It's like Operation Rolling Thunder. We start bombing everything. Kent State happens. <laughs> like, it's like a thing they always hit. <laughs> so let me explain this whole Kent State thing. A group of students gathered to protest the Vietnam War on May 4th, 1970. Members of the Ohio National Guard opened fire into a crowd, killing four students and wounding another nine. Some say that this event may have had an impact on President Richard Nixon's downfall. Tricky dick. <laughs> and in Nixon's opinion, the Jews. <laughs> what? Yeah, there's, like, tapes of him, like, because he taped everything while he was president. Mm -hmm. And there's, like, huge rants where he just goes off about Jewish people. <laughs> he Not was surprising. Very anti-Semitic. He was very anti-everybody. And he was he actually grew up Quaker, so, like, it's odd that he hated everyone. It's so war-ready. <laughs> well, yeah. to actually, like, even start this story, we have to go back to Vietnam. Now, Vietnam was a long, fucked-up war that had the communist government of North Vietnam facing off against the South with their American allies. After the Japanese were defeated in World War II, they got out of Vietnam while the getting was good. And this left a void in the society, and two men looked to stick themselves right in the hole. <laughs> Now, these names are, are, like, hard to pronounce. Just correct me if you actually know one of these guys' names. Yeah. <laughs> so Ho Chi Minh. Good job. Formed the Viet Minh, a.k.a. the League for Independence of Vietnam. Now, there was a French-educated emperor, Baudet, was backed by France to help set up the state of Vietnam. So these two... People are going to clash. Yeah, and the emperor was actually a puppet of the Japanese, too. Cause the was he? Yeah, the Japanese came in and made a puppet government. Like I said before, they had like the East, East Asian co-prosperity sphere, but they would do puppet governments that the Japanese would control. So yeah. like they still controlled the emperor, and then when the Japanese left, the friends were like, all right, we'll just get back to using our puppet again. Yeah, but they <laughs> both wanted a unified Vietnam. These were good guys. Yeah. These were gentlemen. These were heroes if if and you they... look at if you look at the north vietnamese uh founding documents they copied the u.s constitution like almost word for word because ho chi minh actually really loved america he was like all for it 
And then when we gave back Vietnam back to the French, he was like, fuck these motherfuckers. Mm. <laughs> well, Ho Chi uh, took the northern city of Hanoi and declared himself president of the Democratic Republic of Vietnam. The French got all pissed off because they didn't do well in World War II and they couldn't <laughs> handle another loss. So they fought a big battle at Dien Bien Phu. Yen Bien Phu. Dien Bien Phu. D silent. Yen Bien Phu. <laughs> in May 1954. And they lost again. They were back in the sky and they lost another battle. And that was the first time in a century they had lost control over Indochina. Yeah, this is like the classic French mistake of like fighting a war about 3,000 miles away away from any source of cheese. Well, I mean, dude, they, make, they make a lot of mistakes, man. And we, we fought a battle at the exact same place, uh, Quezon. Mm-hmm. It was like a major battle for the Marines. And it's a, it was an air base. And the whole base is surrounded. And any flight that came in would immediately like take fire. So it was really hard to supply the base, but we actually like prevailed at the end. Like we lost a lot of troops and everything like that, but Viet Cong and stuff like that, they had trouble. Uh, if they gathered in a big force, mm-hmm. we would bomb them or hit them with artillery. Mm-hmm. So they always had to do small probing attacks. They, if they got in a big cluster, we would hit them pretty hard. So that's why like guerrilla tactics is like small units. Well, the Americans were still, they wanted to protect the South. So uh, an anti-communist politician Go Dinh Diem took Bo's place to defeat the Viet Cong. So what what were we given as Americans to the South? <laughs> Aren't we loading them up uh, with tanks, missiles, yeah. jets, artillery, guns, knives, bombs, <laughs> grenades, <Yeah>. batons? <laughs> well, not batons. Everything but that. Why? <laughs> no, I'm just fucking with you. Um, they already had swords, ninja swords, and throwing stars. So the the Vietnam is predominantly Buddhist. I think Theravada Buddhism. But we put in Catholic. The, the guy was Catholic, and he collaborated with the French as well. So he's a French-educated uh, Catholic, but he's Vietnamese. And around the time of the 70s, we're trying to we're doing Vietnamization, mm-hmm. which means yeah, we're I read giving about that. yeah we're giving the Arvin, which is the a acronym for the army of the south we're giving them the weapons to fight for themselves and a lot of the incursions into cambodia later on were led by the vietnamese and we were just as advisors like we were just like calling in airstrikes for them or like telling them like giving them advice as it was going mm. just drop your bombs here <laughs> now cracking down in the south dm had over one hundred thousand suspected communists arrested tortured and executed trying to trying to cleanse so cleanse the south if you had a business selling lime great time business (laughs) is booming communists are killing tons of people the republic's killing tons of people i mean dude (laughs) like he got the he got the american starter dictator package you know yeah tanks guns weapons (laughs) full full u.s support amnesty your your identity alienates all of your people yeah <laughs> well in 1961 john f kennedy was afraid of the domino theory if one southeastern asian country fell to the communists it would cause more to follow he did everything he could without it looking like a large-scale military invasion and it is crazy how fast this picks up yeah. like from us just like helping to like having what we're gonna get to the number i wrote all the numbers down of how it skyrocketed when we were there 
Now, in the 50s, there had only been 800 American troops on the ground. By 62, there were 9,000. Three weeks before Kennedy's assassination, a coup was led by Diem's own generals. He and his brother were killed. Now the South has no leaders. The mm-hmm. North is coming in, baby. <laughs> the North is coming in strong. Now, while politically unstable, the DRV struck again and slammed torpedoes into two U.S. destroyers in the Gulf of Tonkin. There's conspiracy theories, and there's some evidence for it. I'm, I'm kind of undecided. Some people think a U.S. ship fired on another U.S. ship, and then the, they thought Friendly it was— Friendly fire? Yeah, they thought it was North Vietnamese, but it could have been the North Vietnamese, too, because a lot of people were like, well, why would they start a war? And, you know, they, they might think that they're, they can take on the Americans. Also, where did they get a torpedo boat? They don't have well, a torpedo. Yeah, the North Vietnamese actually had aircraft, too. They had a— I know they had the MiGs, but did they have, like, a functional Navy? No. Almost no nations have blue water navies, which means, like, they can cross oceans. Mm. Like, right now, it's, like, us, France, and uh, Russia, and Britain, and that's... uh, Maybe Japan, that's it. Out of all the countries in the world. But you don't... It's called asymmetric warfare, where your enemy's way more powerful than you, but you hit them with surprise tactics and stuff like that. So, they use small guerrilla units, but they also had, like, small torpedo boats to, like... Because if you want to take out a big aircraft carrier... Sometimes you can just have a torpedo that's manned by somebody and ram it in. Just swimming like, on the back of it, holding on. Yeah, just like like one of them swimming <laughs> things you hold on to. Like the Japanese with uh, kamikaze tactics. Mm. Yeah, kamikaze torpedo. I mean, if the kamikaze fails, you've lost one plane and one soldier. But if they're able to hit the boat and sink it, you've just taken out thousands of sailors. Asymmetric warfare is like you risk very little but try to take out a lot. And that's kind of the ideology of a lot of opponents that can't handle a bigger opponent. Yeah. Well, if you take out a carrier like that, like you are, yeah, that's like <laughs> that must build like destroy the other side's self esteem. And you this isn't see a, that big boy go down. <laughs> Damn. This isn't an exact parallel, but the USS Cole in Yemen when mm-hmm. Al Qaeda hit it with like a, I think suicide torpedo boats or like rafts. They they didn't really have it was like inflatable canoes. boats. They put like bombs suicide on. canoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from the Gulf of Tonkin, they signed the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution. And this gave Lyndon B. Johnson complete authorization without a formal declaration of war from Congress. The last time we've had an official war was World War II. Every single war after World War II has been something similar to this. I think the War on Terror is predicated on a, a bill called Armed Use of Force, something like that, yeah. and it allows the president to conduct uh, operations against terrorist groups. Can Trump do that right now? Be like, oh, yeah. all right, we're going to war. Yeah, he said he could use it to attack Iran. He's a fucking maniac. But it, it's used to authorize us being in Afghanistan, Yemen, the Horn of Africa. Yeah. So it's very broad. Yeah. The U.S. president like has significantly lost power through most of, like, mm-hmm. pretty much over time until 9-11, <laughs> to where, like, a lot of government agencies began dire- like dire- not directly answering to president that's not, not anything new but like uh no oversight no congressional oversight for certain things that mm-hmm. like fall directly under the president's supervision and a lot of these laws like never disappear cuz there's a a law from World War 1 that Wilson put in effect he signed uh espionage act and they still use it today to listen in on people like they these laws t- stick around forever mm. so we went from 9000 then a year later, 82,000 American troops were on their way to Vietnam. Then another 100,000. Then another 100,000. 
Troops were also being committed from South Korea, Thailand, Australia, and New Zealand. I forget the what the theory is called, but there's a theory in like military science that states like Australia and New Zealand that rely on trade uh, through sea lanes so much, mm-hmm. they have to ally themselves with the dominant naval power. So they used to be Great Britain, but after World War II, we took that spot. And Australia and New Zealand in similar states that rely on trade so much, they've followed us into every war we've ever done, like, since. I can't believe there's not an Australian versus New Zealand war. <laughs> uh, it happened. I think it that's, well. I think that's like rugby. Little, like, it's, it's generally called genocide when you look back on it. Uh, well, the Australia and New Zealand have, uh, like, a European Union's Schengen Zone agreement. Like, they don't have hard borders, like... If you're a New Zealand citizen, you can go to Australia and work there, no visa, no nothing. So by um, 67, so we got 5,000 troops now. We had 800 like a year ago. What happened? (laughs) Now we got 500,000, 16,000 dead, and another 100,000 wounded. Washington, D.C. was telling everyone the war was well under control. Soldiers didn't have much trust in the government anymore. Americans were in their houses trying to enjoy a nice dinner. And all that was on TV was the horrific images of the war. Now, when we interviewed Rob for that military experience, he was telling us that when he was growing up, he would be watching Vietnam. Yeah. There's some, like, uh, iconic photos that are really shocking. Like, there's a photo of a underage vietnamese girl like running naked and mm-hmm. she's got like napalm burns on her and that was on like primetime tv yeah this is like the first war that was like televised without a filter the guy getting shot with the revolver yeah 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 well now nixon's in office so the anti-war movement was growing and he had to find a way to stop it one way was to limit the casualties from the war he created a thing called Vietnamization. <laughs> they started to withdraw troops and let the aerial and artillery bombardments give some relief. So let's not have the men in there right now. Yeah. <laughs> let's just drop the bombs. It's easier. A lot of the people that would join the South Vietnamese army were people who were, you know, culturally learned French and were Catholic, and they tended to support the French regime, and then when they left, they switched to the Americans as, like, their new patron. Information was starting to leak. Stories of U.S. soldiers massacring small towns filled with civilians. A big one was the My Lai Massacre. Wasn't that they were just, like, raping and pillaging people? Yeah, later on they tried to do a strategy where, um, I forget the exact term for it, but like say you take a small Vietnamese village, you would actually like live there with the people. And, and then rape them? No, 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 no. This is after like the My Lai Massacre. We tried to like win hearts and minds. Like that's the... Oh, we're going the peaceful route. Yeah, that's not the strategy's like official name, but that's like the colloquial term for it, like win hearts and minds. So when you take a village, you would live with them and you would like guard their village from oh. the com because the communists would take food from the locals too like some of them had cultural divides like the north has a different dialect than the south i think so they did see themselves as separate they didn't see them always see themselves as vietnamese people all struggling for something similar mm-hmm. so sometimes the north would like steal their rice supplies and stuff so they weren't always benevolent to other vietnamese people yeah and sometimes they would welcome the americans in and sometimes they wouldn't it depends if they were like affected by bombing but this is we kind of learned from the massacres that we should like tone it down a bit 
But generally, some soldiers, Marines, and troops that were in Vietnam were angry that, like, some of the South Vietnamese would pick up guns and shoot at us later. So, like, they were seen as, like, traitors sometimes. So there was some people that got frustrated and attacked the civilians. Yeah. But well, this, I'm this just is the going first. by platoon. Yeah. No, it did happen. It, it, <laughs> it really did. And it's hard to uh, not get frustrated when, like, the same people that, well, my uncle was in Vietnam, and he said, like, some days people would be waving at you, and the next day you'd see him with a Kalashnikov in the jungle <laughs> shooting at Jesus you. Jesus Christ. Uh, like, when we got to uh, 1969, 250,000 Americans gathered in Washington, D.C. for a peaceful protest. And that was the largest in history at the time. Now, if anyone wanted to get on the protest scene, they could just go to their closest college campus and join in on the fun. But another deciding factor for the uprise across the country was the change to the draft. The first lottery since World War II was taking place. Uh, it's no coincidence that a lot of the protests against the draft, against the war in general, were at college campuses. One, because this is draft age, men and, uh, well, women not so much, but women as well. One way to get out of the draft was if you were enrolled in college. So a lot of people who wanted to avoid the draft would enroll in college. That's why all the things were at the colleges? Yeah, so disproportionately people who were <laughs> against the war were in college because they went to college to avoid the war. This, I mean, this whole thing is... And you you touched on like just showing up to your college. Um, that that will come up later in the story. That's one of the big accusations against a lot of these protests is that people, uh, the governor of uh, Ohio, would say that these guys got paid. A lot of these people were paid to start shit and start burning shit and start. Who was paying them? That's a good question. When you that make seems that like accus- a reoccurring thing. When today. you make that accusation, <laughs> like who? Um, they're actually. I don't know. I. I forget who the fuck Joe Rogan had on, but he was an ex-CIA officer, and maybe it's propaganda, maybe it's not. Mm-hmm. But apparently there is a lot of evidence of, like, from what he says, of, like, Soviet money coming in throughout the times. Just, like, yeah, we, we've always been fighting a proxy war with the Russians. It's not, like, anything new, anything new to this election. And really, like, if you just send fucking, I don't know, 80,000 rubles, so 600 US to somebody, yeah. and you tell me to go fuck shit up for a day on college campus, I'll do it. Here, throw this bottle. I won't, uh, FBI, FBI, I won't do it. Here, light this fire in the middle you of the take, yeah. You take Molotov, you use shitty vodka. Go TP that building. <laughs> now, this is where we get to Kent State. We just did a little backdrop of how the country was feeling, what was going on in the war, and we're going to definitely move more into depth in vietnam this was just a little summary to see where we're at uh with this major event happened at kent state now kent state was used as protests like for the they they were doing protests like years back Uh and in 66 students gathered threw gas masks on and just marched around (laughs) just got the mask on i'm marching and no one was going to stop that march. Yeah, I've seen some of the pictures. They had, like, really old gas masks, too. In 68, the Students for Democratic Society staged a sit-in to fight against the police recruiters on campus. These fucks are everywhere. <laughs> this uh, SDS from the Black Panthers. Yeah, they were, like, vanguards of, like, the new left movement. 
they were like the mo- most well known, I think, of the day. Well, they had chapters everywhere. Right? Yeah. So this was their uh, Kent State uh, SDS chapter, but a year later they struck again. They tried to march into the administration building with a list of demands. The university couldn't deal with this shit anymore. They were revoked their Kent State chapter. It's weird they didn't go into the like political realm or like try and co-opt into the Democratic Party or something. Cause, yeah, what were they doing? Uh, well, I think it was '68, maybe, or the, it was near the election at this time. Like the Chicago DNC rally, they kicked out a lot of the radical members of the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. But it's weird you didn't see like a new left party come into the mainstream, fill, fill the void. Yeah, because uh, like the troubles in Ireland was kind of stopped because Sinn Fein became an actual political party in Northern Ireland. So like they stopped bombing people and being IRA members and just joined the Sinn Fein. Well, two weeks after the SDS was shut down, two members were involved in a disciplinary hearing. The whole crew showed up and started causing trouble. The Ohio State Highway Patrol was called. 58 people were arrested, and four SDS leaders spent six months in jail. It's kind of a bad idea to go after a movement's leaders only, because then the rest of the movement is leaderless and kind of, like, fractures and maybe gets more violent. Yeah. No, you cut off the head of the snake. Well, in in Chicago, they took out all of the leaders of, like, the... uh, Organized crime. Yeah, and even, like, the the black gangs, like the Lord's Disciples and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And then that is thought to have increased the violence now today. Like, there's a lot of people competing, and a lot of the groups fractured even more. Real rough psychology here. But, like, when you take out the dude who's been used to dealing with, like, not getting caught by the police, Mm -hmm. not, not fighting with these other gangs, like, he is the most tempered person in the gang often. Yeah. You know? And then, like, against psychology, rough psychology, but, like, when the guy who's telling you, like, be peaceful, be peaceful, yeah, chill on this, yeah, take out this guy over here, but be peaceful, like, he gets taken out, and you see yeah. that, like, you're like, fuck this peaceful shit. Yeah. Time to go Merc. Well, have you guys <laughs> heard of this next guy I'm about to read off? Jerry Rubin? This dude <laughs> nah. was the he, he made the sandwich, right? <laughs> the Rubin. This, he was the leader of the Youth International Party, and he gave a speech on campus, and he told everyone. The first part of the yippie movement is to kill your parents. They are the first oppressors. Wow. <laughs> you you want to be in the yippie movement? <laughs> I wonder if like this morphed into yuppie like in the 80s when they were Probably. people that were very materialistic. materialistic. They call them yuppies. Oh, fun fact. Or, uh, most hippies later went on to become Republican. <laughs> no, they yeah. didn't. No, actually, a large percentage became Republican. They became Federalists. No, they became a professor. They got a, a, a IRA. And they, they got an understanding. They got really concerned with stock prices. They got an understanding of how <laughs> economics actually works, um, what retirement looks like, how much it costs to live. Yeah. Yeah, shit was getting serious. You can't so just pay what? for everything in flowers and tie dye. Yeah. There was another dude, Bill Anthrell, and he told people to show up at a certain time. So they could watch him napalm a dog. That's the fastest way to piss off everybody today. Is That's to get someone's attention. Yeah, if you fucking, hurt a dog, the internet's going to kill you. You fucking <laughs> napalm a dog? 
People are going to be paying attention. If you get mauled by a bear right now and you kill that bear, <laughs> you're in trouble. Yeah. Well, why are you in the woods anyway? Like, why do you need to walk in the woods? Well, everyone like started showing up. They're like, holy shit, this dude's about to napalm a dog right in its head. But it turned out to be an anti napalm teaching. Fucking how bait. nice baited is that? Him. How nice is that? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. What? Yeah. Wait, what do you mean? It was like a teaching thing about like how to not like a napalm. <laughs> 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 the first instance of clickbait. <laughs> yeah, he fucking reeled him. So in. basically, or like sit in bait. When you get the urge, you just you don't throw it. You just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> just don't throw napalm? the napalm. The secret to world peace is don't hurt people. Don't do it. When you have the hatchet, don't put it down in someone's head. Smoke head. a joint. <laughs> don't do it. So do we have a kind of a good understanding what this atmosphere was like? You got people talking about napalm. This dude told you to kill your parents. Got the fucking war going on. People are dying left and right. Um, yeah, dude. So I, I've heard a lot of people talk about this time and like compare it to today. And a lot of people from this time say like, you guys don't know shit. Like we're we're yeah. we're fairly divisive today, but they're like, nah, it was fucking way worse back then. I, I think the draft made a lot of people less apt to support the war movement because mm. if when it's a volunteer and it's only like less than one percent of the people are actually fighting, a lot less people are like. A good motivation to protest is that you might get shot in some foreign country. <laughs> I think that turned a lot of people against it. So nowadays, I don't think there's like as much support for protest movements. So we're at Kent State now. We are going to focus on the four days that led to death. Richard Nixon's decision to expand the war in Cambodia is the main point of protest. Yeah, the, uh, they wanted to stop the, the Ho Chi Minh Trail that went through Cambodia, and that was like the main supply line for uh, the Viet Cong, which is like southern uh, Vietnamese guerrilla fighters in like Da Nang Valley. So they wanted to destroy that supply line, but it was literally just like a dirt road in the jungle. Mm. So when we bombed it, it really didn't do much. So Just made it wider and better. Yeah, and they had, they had 24-7 <laughs> crews of people repairing the road all the time. Like, this is very vital for the Vietnamese. They, they knew it, and we knew it too, but we weren't as effective with bombing it. Like, they would just fill the crater in with more dirt. Yeah. And Kissinger said, we need to go in there and take out the trail with ground troops. So they wanted to invade Cambodia, which is officially a neutral nation at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the same time, Cambodia has a civil war. The, there was a monarchy, and they were like the French puppet government. And they were about to be taken out by the Khmer Rouge, which is the uh, communists that were supported by North Vietnamese, but they were suspicious of the Vietnamese that mm -hmm. they might invade and take over anyway. Because the Cambodians were afraid of the Vietnamese because they were a more dominant nation. So they were afraid that if there was a communist union of all the former French colonies there, like Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, Vietnam would be in charge because they had more people and everything like that. So even the Cambodians were, didn't like the Vietnamese, but they were just allied with them to get the to take down the monarchy and get rid of the. But uh, wasn't the Americans. war like slowing up? Like, wasn't mm, it? No, I was reading that it was like decreasing the amount of violence until he chose to go into Cambodia. The violence for Americans was going down. We were doing Operation Rolling Thunder, which we were bombing Hanoi, which is the capital of North Vietnam, and Cambodia. And we dropped more bombs in that one campaign 
just in Cambodia and North Vietnam than we ever did in World War II, like the whole four years. So this one-year campaign had four times the bombs. Holy so shit. Nixon made this announcement on, on public television. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And what, he, that he, they invaded Cambodia. The, the, no, the language is that like no, the ramping up. He's like, we need to ramp up. Mm-hmm. Uh, his thing, his language was that we're going to end the war. You know, and the gist of it basically is that we're going to start doing this. We're going to start going into Cambodia to really end the war. Yeah. When in reality, we'll find out years later through documents that are like not redacted but just given out. Uh, mm-hmm. I forget what it is, but that we were already in Cambodia by the time yeah. of this announcement. <laughs> that starts the Kent State protests. Yada, yada. And also in that same, like, public announcement of, like, us going into Cambodia, you can pretty much hear Nixon saying, like, and I'm not, like, stretching in between the lines at all, that's like, mm, let's not lose our first war. Yeah. That's the whole thing. <laughs> don't don't lose our first war. It, it, it's kind of like today where they try to heavily lean on drone bombings instead of actually putting troops in the ground because mm-hmm. when you have people coming back in caskets, it's really bad PR for the war effort. But when you have a broken drone come back... Yeah, like, oh. or even like just losing a plane instead of putting a whole platoon in there and losing them. How long till Disney does a drone movie? <laughs> like he's just a sad drone that doesn't want to kill <laughs> Middle Eastern people. Probably after they remake Dumbo like Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Here's the story. He does, he does the Middle Eastern people for a while. Then he comes back. He's asked to like bomb a journalist that's a, a good Ameri- idea. american journalist that's a good idea like a sad drone that yeah. was made for murder like no he is american <laughs> uh, so let's play these days out we're gonna run through this timeline at kent state so may 1st 1970 500 students met at the commons which was a grassy knoll Uh-oh. where all the rallies usually happened a lot of people had to be in class by 1 p.m., but some stayed behind to plan the next event, the May 4th protest. Bad things happen at Grassy Knoll. Don't ever go on a knoll. May the 4th be with you. It's got to be a bare, <laughs> a bare rocky knoll. No yeah. grass. It's got to be a boulder field. <laughs> That's really uncomfortable to assassinate somebody from a boulder field, though. <laughs> no, a lot of people get abducted from boulder fields. This <laughs> Shout out, missing 411. Um, Everyone had their own way of proving a point and letting off some steam. A group of history nerds buried a copy of the American Constitution symbolizing the death Richard Nixon brought to it. Signs were hung up on the trees and read, Why is the ROTC building still standing? The ROTC. Yeah, I don't like them. Uh, Why? <laughs> the idea, the idea behind their protest. This one I actually kind of respect for creativity, since the <laughs> war was quote unquote unconstitutional. Yeah, like uh, they were burying the Constitution since Nixon killed it. Yeah, I, I appreciate troll stuff that's not yeah. violent. I, I appreciate actual thought out shit, like not just throwing milkshakes at people. They immediately planned for like violence. Though. Why and, aren't we blowing this fucking building up? And. I did, like, uh, training with the ROTC people from Princeton, like, my reserve unit. We were trying to teach them, like, uh, how to clear houses and stuff like that. And we were able to shoot them with, like, paintball guns. Like, if we could see them, like, if they didn't conceal themselves well, we could shoot them. Mm-hmm. And it was hilarious. And uh, our, our one, uh, I think it was staff sergeant at the time, he was like, hey, let's, let's fuck with them. And we jumped into somebody's truck. And like drove through their position, and we're shooting them from the back of the truck with the paintball gun. <laughs> like, you got to be prepared for anything. <laughs> but we're still we're still in the first day. They already put a sign yeah. saying they want to burn down the building. 
Now they're getting these students are getting feisty at night. <laughs> they were throwing beer bottles at cars, and they broke a bank window. Places started shutting down early just to avoid any trouble. The flip side to that being, like Sean alluded to, that it's it's a it's a minority group. Uh, who cares about the percentage? Mm-hmm. Later the de- the next day, college students were also helping businesses board up their windows and help yeah. do clean up slash repair some of the damage. I always get mad when someone categorizes a whole group as like mm-hmm. a certain thing, and it's like, well, that's four thousand people or whatever with their own independent thought processes and stuff. You can't say all the students were violent. Yeah. So somebody called the police. They showed up. They were met by 120 protesters. They were throwing bottles at them. Then they lit fires in the middle of the streets just to scare people away. <laughs> now, this fucking dude, Kent Mayer Leroy <laughs> Satram. Does anybody we cover in this podcast have a normal fucking name? <laughs> Leroy Satram. Oh, yeah, I know tons of Leroy's. He, this dude issued a state of emergency right away after he pooped himself he could uh he called the big boy ohio governor jim rhodes who ordered that all bars remain closed when that didn't work they started blasting tear gas at people pushing them away from downtown and back towards the campus side notes jim rhodes was losing his uh, election. The poll numbers were not in his favor. <laughs> oh, he was losing at this time? He was lo- In the poll numbers, he was about more than likely, like the guy was above, you know how it's usually like people win by 2 or 3%. Yeah. His opponent was up by 7% in the oh polls. Oh my. This, so this guy, the, like, I need to get this shit It was done. very much, he was trying to, in my opinion, trying to capitalize on an event and he yeah. ended up fucking getting people killed. Look, I can govern well. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that was just the first day at Kent State. So now let's go to May 2nd. Now, this started off with threats to local businesses. They were told if they didn't hang anti-war slogans in their windows, they would be raped and murdered. Uh, I just made that part up. You can't, <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> they no, did threaten violence. No, all yeah. they did, no, they said they were going to burn their businesses down if they didn't. That's uh, violent. Yeah, that's pretty violent. It's kind of yeah. like being raped. Your business gets raped. Yeah, won't, said, won't anybody think of the I insurance company? Too many times this episode. I need to edit this. <laughs> <laughs> Rumors were spreading. Fear had taken the city. Word spread of future explosions, destruction of the ROTC building, a plan to poison the water supply with LSD, and the construction of underground tunnels to be used in an attack. People started to fear for their lives. So. Could you actually poison it with LSD? I've only seen like people put it on like I mean, stamp looking things on, on their tongue. You would need a shitload to poison like the whole water supply. So you would. I mean, what are we talking here? Is it I don't liquid? Know. I don't know. Is, does it come in liquids? Yeah, yeah it does. Okay. It right. does. Um, and I believe you, you can dose someone's drink with LSD. Um, but like for like an eight ounce cup, I believe like I've, ne- I've never seen this it's a happen. Lot. But it's like a, it's a decent <laughs> like it's not just one drop of LSD. No, it's like thousands yeah. of dollars. One bottle. It's like so yeah, several hits Fuck. of several hits of LSD. <laughs> you have to pour one drop on because you sell that. It's always worse. I mean, for for a drug addict speaking, <laughs> it's always worse to ingest stuff because you're gonna lose a lot of the potency in the digestion process. Okay, so you need to do you need to up the dose yeah. to get the effect you want. 
and that was <laughs> that I that so I, so college students couldn't afford to dose the whole more than likely <laughs> water supply. And that was our drug addict advisor, Brian Davies, <laughs> What's coming up? in with the uh, <laughs> drug information. When Thank you for that barbiturate information last week. <laughs> yep, I was right actually. Quaaludes are barbiturates. So. Quaaludes. <laughs> Whenever yeah, you don't I, know what a drug is, it's probably a barbiturate. <laughs> The police also thought that there were some students with weapons supplies around the campus. You could just hit the hit it up and then reload it, dude. <laughs> coming out with automatic weapons. This isn't that unrealistic. I never found anything about this being substantiated, like the actual weapon supply. But it is Ohio hunting is yeah. a big thing, and they didn't ban fully automatic weapons till '82. So, so like you could like potentially potentially I'm have sure a kid. Some of them had some. It, there, there's a story Alan tells, and I don't, I don't like Alan. Alan, uh, what the fuck? Uh, Alan, the kid. So from the famous photo, he has the black flag. He's waving it in front of the, yeah. in front of the people, and they're they're kneeled down, aiming their guns at him. Alan, I feel like Alan talks more than he relates facts. <laughs> but Alan tells a story about how after like all the dust had settled, he stopped somebody with a German Luger of all things. From going back and shooting back at the uh, at the National Guardsmen. Sounds fake. He he talks. He talks a lot. <laughs> all right. So this is all. This shit's going too far. Mayor Satram decided to request that the Ohio Army National Guard. He wanted them to come. He needed some help, dude. He needs an army for this shit. Yeah, a lot of people don't know, but uh, each National Guard answers to the governor of that state. It's actually a state militia, so they the president has to ask the governor's permission to deploy National Guard units. Oh, shit. So the governor has the ultimate say whether the guard's going to help this mayor out. Wait, that wasn't... I think I messed that up, because I said Mayor Satrum. Oh, no, you said he was requesting meant, it. Uh, well, I meant Mayor Rhodes. Oh. Well, he, <laughs> no, governor, no, governor, governor Rhodes. Sat, oh, governor Rhodes, right? Mayor Satrum, Governor Rhodes. All right, so, yeah, he requested it from Governor Rhodes, and the National Guard didn't arrive in town until 10 p.m. that night. By the time they got there, the ROTC building was already in flames. And the National Guard was called up to put down a lot of these protests. And they were called in for the Watts riots, too. So it was really often that the state governors would use the National Guard during this time. And, like, when they unsegregated the schools, you'll see 82nd Airborne troops are there mm -hmm. enforcing it because Alabama's National Guard wouldn't have been called up by their governor, uh, George Wallace. So, actually, federal troops had to come in and enforce it. Did we explain the ROTC building, what it is exactly? Well, it's like the recruiting place, right? So, that's where they they had that set up to to pull the people out of the colleges. Do they like, yeah, that's plan where they them? They plan them near the colleges and stuff? Yeah, they do recruiting and training. And uh, like Drexel University, I've seen theirs. They have a big building, so does uh, Widener. And I think they focus mainly on uh, the Navy. But they have, every branch has their ROTC thing going on so there. So you got a young student showing up to school. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, this is going to be the day. <laughs> I'm joining the army. They're, are they a de facto military organization? It's a, it's considered, a, uh, it stands for Reserve Officer Training uh, Center. So I think they're in the reserves because they do get a stipend while they're doing the ROTC training. Because yeah. every summer they do training like what my unit did. To so the, theor theoretically, like these people would be drafted before anyone else. Uh, once they well, once you run through National Guard, they do four years of school, four years of ROTC, and then they I think they go to um, officer candidate school, mm. 
which for the Marines, I think, is in Quantico. I don't know the armies. And then after they go through that, they become a second lieutenant. And then they, would, they wouldn't necessarily be drafted. I don't think officers are drafted. I think only enlisted people are drafted. Because officers uh, serve at their own discretion. They, mm. they can leave at any time unless they sign a contract saying they have to serve a certain amount of time. Uh, nowadays, most officers have to serve six years if they got their college paid for. But yeah. after that six years, you can leave any time you want. There's no contracts like enlisted people have. So okay. that so uh, that building's on fire. The fire trucks are pulling up, but they had a bit of a problem. Groups of people were stealing lengths of hose and slashing it. Multiple fire engines had to be called out, but luckily, no one was injured in the flames, and the building could not be saved. Um, said building was already scheduled for demolition. <laughs> what? The building was already scheduled for demolition. I think that's a myth. No, it was. <laughs> in 1970, it was literally so it they, was literally they, a wooden they, building. Do these so these guys knew it was going to go down anyway? It doesn't. I don't. It, it's I don't still know a, they it's knew. still a symbol for the movement. Like, yeah, 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 we don't want to serve. Mm. We're going to take down this but building, which facilitates it. They probably gave them it. like more of a. No, they probably like, smoked some pot and thought it was a good idea. I don't think they really thought it through. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey man, well, it's going to be demolished anyway, yeah, so man. fuck it. It don't matter. No, they. So yeah, there, there's all. Li- listen to the interview with Alan. After this burned down, a new curfew was put in place. A couple of arrests were made for the violators, but one guy even got stabbed with a bayonet that night. Ouch. Just imagine that. Yeah, they're not small. You're getting chased with a fucking bayonet. <laughs> now moving in, let's so that was just the second day. This is like it's just so crazy how much was going on in these days. So we're gonna move to May third. The governor was set to broadcast a speech from the firehouse. We've seen here at the city of Kent especially, probably the most vicious form of campus-oriented violence yet perpetrated by the dissident groups. They make definite plans of burning, destroying, and throwing rocks at police and at National Guard and Highway Patrol. This is when we're going to use every part of law enforcement agency of Ohio to drive them out of Kent. We're going to eradicate the problem. That day, a bunch of students came down to help clean up the riots. But at 8 p.m., another rally took place. Again, the guardsmen unloaded tear gas into the crowd. And if it wasn't working, more people got bayoneted. Also in that same speech, he compared them to the browncoats, a.k.a. the Nazis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the SA. <laughs> That's, he went a little too far with that. Well, yeah, when in doubt, just comparing the Nazis. The Nazis. It's, it's a well-worn tactic used today. Um, it, whenever somebody says that, my mind kind of turns off. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Now we bring the day into question. May 4th. Another protest was scheduled for noon. University officials started passing out fake pamphlets stating that the event was already canceled. <laughs> So you got the, 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 the college guys that run the college and stuff. They're passing out pamphlets saying, nah, guys, it's canceled for today. You know, what's, you know what students and yippies follow more than anything? Pamphlets. Pamphlets. <laughs> but at that note, pamphlets didn't matter. 2,000 people showed up to the commons near Taylor Hall. Fake pamphlets? Down them in as they're supposed to come, some, so fuck it. Some people probably went home. They're like, ah, Fuck, I, I heard they had I heard they had tuna sandwiches Protest here, so I was, I was hungry. Starting the event, someone struck 
the iron victory bell, which was usually used when the football team wins a game. Harold Rice, a campus patrolman, rode his jeep into the crowd and announced that everyone must go home or there would be arrests made and maybe more people would get stabbed to death. Nah, no one died yet. It was just, <laughs> that's just, you know. Spoiler warning. They said, fuck this Harold Rice character and started launching rocks at his Jeep until he had to retreat. The guards had to up their presence. 77 men armed with tear gas and M1s with bayonets attached to them pushed the crowd back towards Blanket Hill. As the students got out of the way, the guards walked their way to like a dead end. It was like the athletics practice field. Mm -hmm. And they got to the end. They huddled back <laughs> up. They talked about a plan and made their way back down to clean up the loose students. Still throwing rocks, empty gas canisters, the students weren't ready for what was going to happen next. Nor did they dream it would go down like this. Sergeant Myron Pryor faced a grouping of students and began to unload his 45 caliber pistol in their direction. When the shots rang out, it caused other guardsmen to unload their weapons as well. Four students lie dead on the grass. Two were involved in the protest, while the other two were just on their way to class. Man. That's like the worst luck ever. That <laughs> You're just going from one sucks. class to another. That sucks. And they said that 29 out of the 77 guards fired their rifles that day. For 13 seconds. For exactly 13 <laughs> seconds. There was a guy with a stopwatch. <laughs> and he oh, there measured. was footage. Everyone's just like, 13 seconds. <laughs> Estimated 67 rounds were used. The Ohio National Guard started reporting their side of the story. After all, you can't just kill students without a very, very good excuse. Now, the gen a general reported that a sniper had fired the first shot at the guards, and the whole thing was just self-defense. Now, I have a couple of stories here from uh, some of the, the eyewitnesses that were there. So we have an unidentified speaker. Suddenly they turned around, got on the knees as if they were ordered to. They did it all together, aimed. And personally, I was standing there saying, they're not going to shoot. They can't do that. If they're going to shoot, it's going to be blank. Now, Gerald Casal uh, said, All I can tell you is that it's completely and utterly changed my life. I was a white hippie boy. And then I saw exit wounds from N1 rifles at the backs of two people I knew. Two of the four people who were killed, Jeffrey Miller and Allison Krause, were my friends. We were all running our asses off from these motherfuckers. It was total, utter bullshit. Live ammunition and gas masks. None of us knew. None of us could have imagined. They shot into a crowd that was running away from them. I stopped being a hippie, and I started to develop the idea of de-evolution. I got real, real pissed off. Is that de-evolution or devolution? Devolution? I'm not sure. I, I, yeah, I'm not. I, I don't know about that concept. It's hippie bullshit. <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> 
But we also have, uh, you could go look up the photos from that day. A student, John Philo, captured one of the most famous pictures ever taken. A 14-year-old girl runaway, Mary Vecchio, is seen screaming over the dead body of Jeffrey Miller. Philo won the Pulitzer Prize for this picture. And the, the whole country just went nuts, dude. Outraged. 450 campuses across the U.S. closed with violent and nonviolent demonstrations. Students hung a banner at New York University that read, They can't kill us all. Isn't that the motto of like the Area 51 people now? That are going to yeah, storm it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Area 51 crew. That I think they stole that banner. From yeah. <laughs> now, five days after the massacre, 100,000 people gathered in D.C. People were smashing windows, slashing tires, lighting fires, dragging cars into intersections, and throwing beds from overpasses. They hit traffic below. Imagine being an insurance adjuster at this time. Oh, my You're God. so overworked. That whole scene, like, do you have any other info on that whole scene in front of the White House? In D.C., most people protest uh, from Lafayette Square, which is named after the Marquis de Lafayette. He was a French guy that fought with the Revolution, and he was kind of like Washington's unofficial, like, son. And a lot of people protest from that square, and it's like, it's where they used to scream at LBJ, like, uh, how many kids did you kill today? Like, those chants. And stuff like that. So that's that's probably where it started or where they marched to. Because that's a very famous uh, free speech rallies are done there. Nixon did not like this shit. He said they took it too far this time. This isn't a student protest anymore. This was a civil war. The president even went to Camp David for two days for protection. Camp David. Where's uh, Camp David at? I think yeah. Maryland. Maryland? Yeah, and... Uh, Something else I read, it said that, like, a unit of the 82nd Airborne was in the basement of the Capitol building. Like, just hiding? Yeah, just in case, like, the building got attacked so they could, oh. like, defend the president. Uh, May 8th, New Mexico University. 11 people were bayoneted by the New Mexican National Guard as students protested. No one was killed. More bayonets? Yeah. Dude, they are getting going too far with these And things. then uh, <laughs> May 14th uh, at Jackson State, African-American student, students, student protesters were gathered in a peaceful protest, um, but this is Mississippi, so racial tension was already high. So uh, the protesters started throwing rocks at white motorists. By 9 p.m., fires had broke out. Cars were being overturned. By 12.05 the next morning, officers uh, opened fire on a dormitory. Jesus. 30 seconds of fire, 150 rounds, 12 wounded, oh uh, my God. Two, dead from, two dead from shotgun. And the Jackson one got less attention because it, it's a black university. Yeah, and it was after the other one. So a lot of movements pick like what's the most easily spun in the media. Not spun, but uh, looks good in the media. Like um, apparently there was a woman before Rosa Parks that refused to get up. Mm -hmm. But she was an underage woman that got pregnant by a married man, so it looked bad in the press, or it would look bad in the press. So they used her because she was more of a respectable person in the community. Yeah. And this is kind of the same thing. Like the nation's like eighty-five percent white, so they they the Kent State thing got so much more press. Yeah, it would have been like the same like level 
of of shit going on. Yeah, like similar, almost the same kind of incident, but the one got way more attention. Well, when I did my research for both, I'd like to I'd like to see Mike's sources because all my sources were, and all I've been told throughout history is just like Kent State, brutal massacre, yeah, peaceful hippies. Young white kids, all good. No, Ger- German no, boy. No. That's that, that's what I got. It's fucking dirt. It's no, and then violent. then I then I dug in and found the violence. Yeah. Um, when I did my research, and when you as soon as you research Jackson State, the first thing is like, these black people were throwing rocks. They were throwing burning cars. They were doing fires. <laughs> you know how they like it's it just I'm like I don't even want to write this and put this on the podcast because it yeah. just comes off bad. Uh, and Oliver Stone did a movie about Nixon, and mm-hmm. he puts in the Kent State thing, but I think he completely takes out the part where they threw rocks downtown yeah and like broke the windows like that doesn't that doesn't justify killing somebody in the least no i don't think they should it's part of the story but uh i'm commenting on the whitewashing of the narrative yeah but these good white kids this is compared to the boston massacre yeah that's all that and everything (laughs) that that when tensions are so high imagine you got people throwing rocks at your head you got bottles and fires and you hear something and you're just, I don't know if these guys were actually scared. Some of these National Guards who were there probably were actually scared. Yeah. Because they've never been in something like that before. They were probably the same ages as the kids they were facing down. Maybe the sergeants and above were older and maybe had been in Korea, so they had like more of a steely resolve. You know, it was a chaotic time, and the nation was really divided on those lines. But the Boston Massacre kind of helped John Adams' legal career. Oh, dude. John Johnny A is my favorite <laughs> president of all time. Yeah, he he defended. I, the you watch that HBO series John Adams on H that yeah. six part or something. Yeah, that is the best series I've ever seen about like presidents. Kind of a tangent, but they they portray Thomas Jefferson really well in that because he was very soft spoken and he so hated good. he hated speaking in public. But John Adams defended the uh, the British soldiers that yeah. were accused of shooting. And he wanted to do that because he wanted to show that the British could get a fair trial, even in the colonies, to like show England we are civilized. Well, I too. mean, yeah, if we didn't, if he didn't do that and defend them, anyone has right to a defense. Yeah, that was that his was thing, our though. government. Yeah. That's what we're trying to build. But most of the country was like, Nah, man, they're British. Like we're fighting <laughs> them. Like you kill them. Yeah. But like, no, if you want our government to work. They are, they have the right to this defense. Yeah. And that's, he was so true to what was going on, really about the Constitution. Yeah. He was, I love him. Like, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think anything would have been set up right without John Adams. Yeah, it was a really good like, series. Everything. I want to read something from the President's Commission on Campus Unrest was like this whole thing and they i guess they reviewed the case and they came to a very damning conclusion now their uh, conclusion read even if the guardsmen faced danger it was not a danger that called for lethal force the 61 shots by 28 guardsmen certainly cannot be justified apparently no order to fire was given and there was inadequate fire control discipline on blanket hill the Kent State tragedy must mark the last time, as a matter of course, loaded rifles are issued to guardsmen confronting student demonstrators. Yeah, it seems like they favored bayonets after this. Oh yeah. <laughs> twenty-four students from the whole from the Kent State massacre, 
24 students and one faculty member showed up to court to face charges for burning down the ROTC building. A Kent Legal Defense Fund was started to help them. Three students got convicted or pled guilty. The rest of the charges were dropped. These dudes pled guilty too soon. Yeah, like, <laughs> and that'd be really hard for them they to prove got that they out did of, it. They would have got out of all of it, <laughs> but they're like, no, I burned it down. Well, have you ever heard of the prisoner's dilemma? No. Say you and a, someone else you know are both taken in by the police for a crime, and they tell both of you, if you say the other person did it, we'll let you go free. The idea is you should rat out your friend so you can go home. Like, because that's the dilemma. Like, if you don't, both of you may go to jail, and you may go to jail. And if you both say it, you're both still going to get convicted because the other person's yeah. fingering the other one. <clears throat> now, as the, the victims' families got their case together to fight back against Governor Rhodes and the National Guard, more and more people were switching sides. In fear of an outright loss, a settlement of 675000 was given to all the plaintiffs like combined like not not each person like they mm. split that yeah it's a different time so the money sounds larger it's pretty it's spent, <laughs> it's spent better than it sounds i mean it's a good amount so i don't know how many plaintiffs there were 1974 a criminal investigation is concluded uh dropping all charges against eight national guardsmen for their roles in the shooting now let's talk about the victims these four people that lost their lives that day that day and two others. Jeffrey Glenn Miller, age 20, 265 feet away from the National Guardsman. Allison B. Krause, 19, 343 feet away from the National Guardsman. William Knox Schroeder, 19, 382 feet away from the National Guardsman. Sandra Lee Schuer, 20, 390 feet away from the National Guardsman. Jackson State Massacre, Philip Lafayette, age 21, James Earl Green, age 17. Uh, I was going to talk about like how each person died, but I don't really feel like going into those descriptions, but the the only I'll one I'll say a couple things yeah. on like what how brutal this thing was. One guy got shot through the mouth. Another died from a fatal left chest wound. One guy actually went into surgery but died an hour in. He was shot in the back. And then there was another fatal neck wound. Damn, they were headshotting. And that, that was high caliber rounds too. I think the M1's a high caliber rifle, and then the 45's pretty high. Mm. Yeah. So the exit wounds would have been giant, because the the entrance wounds usually smaller than the exit. The exit's usually like a couple times bigger. And if you guys want to go on go on the internet, there's more eyewitness reports on what happened that day. Decide. Uh, I don't know who whose fault was this. Was it just and everyone combined in like a ball of like political shit? Yeah, no, I, I would you say no one will ever know what whose fault it really was. I would say nobody's like in the right one hundred percent with this because the whole situation was kind yeah, of shit. I mean, you got protesters that were violent. You got protesters that were peaceful. They're all mixed in, so who cares? They're gonna and shoot at. You anyone. said one of the kids was in ROTC program himself too. Yeah, the one one of the I don't know. I forget whether he ended up dying, but one of the other people that got wounded during the firing because again, thirteen seconds, one hundred sixty or sixty seven rounds, like that's 
there's no fire control discipline. Yeah. Like you said. So uh, I want to say like a guy, you got a kid showing up for recruitment and then his building's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. Fucking um, demolished his dreams. Yeah. So there's just many sides to this coin, man. Times were really fucking volatile. People were at each other's necks. Shifty fucking swamp ridden governor wants to get his poll numbers up yeah, by handling a situation. Fucking loser. Gives untrained people. Uh, a lot of the reports I heard were fucking full metal jacket rounds, mm-hmm. you know, because you need them for protesters. Um, <laughs> Ooh. The one good thing that came out of it was the National Guard and a lot of police forces updated their ways of handling crowd control and they became more scientific. Like today, SWAT teams are. They do like Roman military formations and stuff like, mm. like and like three, uh, like three hundred formations from the Spartans. Yeah, similar like phalanx. phalanx. <laughs> yeah, and they use a lot of shields, so like the SWAT team is protected theoretically, and then they use a lot of like rubber bullets, mm. and those can still be lethal. So so can tasers if if the person's weak or uh, compromised in some way. Mm. Like if you have a heart condition, you can die from what a about laser. the uh, the sound machines. That they'll, like, blast the crowd with this high sound. Yeah, apparently there's one that makes you throw up, too. I haven't seen them in use yet. Yeah, I've never heard of them being used. I think they secretly use them right now. Like, they'll whip them out. They, it, they definitely tested it on people. Oh, no, dude. Uh, I think we have beef with China right now yeah, because of that. Yeah, like, Cuba. Yeah, because some of our ambassadors are ambassadors had gone over, and they were doing the sound wave thing on them. Yeah. They are just getting unex- inexplicably violently ill. Yeah. One of the secretaries had, like, permanent hearing damage, too. Yeah. So we're... we're I mean, this thing could possibly happen again. I mean, it's always happening somewhere. There's mm-hmm. protests everywhere. Well, didn't Berkeley, some stuff got burned there like a couple of years ago? That's the that's, first That's move. just a wildfire. down the building. No, M- M- Milo uh, Yiannopoulos went there and like people were burning trash cans. Like, not, oh, not are, you talk, are you talking about his appearance at the creek in the cave? I think so. He appeared on, he was going to appear on some podcast. They were going to cancel it because of all the backlash. Again, like... Whatever you think of the dude, he sh- if you okay. So if you think the the National Guard is in the wrong, this dude is showing up to talk. Mm-hmm. You know, National Guard's in the wrong for killing these people, and the other people, the Antifa, the other people that think Milo's just like a Nazi, yeah. says whatever he wants, showed up and destroyed a a liberal owned business. You know, and again threatened violence and like have proven they would be violent, like a, like what they did to that uh, Asian American reporter. Yeah, it's real. Man. It's real interesting. The hypocrisy. It's always on both going sides. On. Yeah. Now I hope you guys enjoyed the Kent State massacre episode. <laughs> it was me. It was Brian Davies night, and night. Sean Kleins. Later. We are fight the fate. Remember to rate and review us, guys. Thanks. Love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>